It's Tuesday, June the 29th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, promising vaccine news and a post-Brexit data agreement. First, the world in brief. Ethiopia's government unilaterally declared a ceasefire in the northern region of Tigray, pausing a civil war that has killed thousands, displaced millions, and driven 350,000 to the brink of starvation. The announcement came shortly after rebels fighting for the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, the region's erstwhile rulers, were reported to have recaptured Mekele, the region's capital, forcing Ethiopian troops and the federally appointed administration to flee. A judge in America threw out an antitrust complaint brought by the Federal Trade Commission against Facebook. He said the FTC had failed to support its claims against the social network giant and gave the agency 30 days to file an amended suit. He also dismissed a suit filed by 45 states, saying they had taken too long to bring their claims. Facebook's valuation subsequently passed $1 trillion. Mexico's Supreme Court ruled that laws prohibiting the cultivation and consumption of cannabis for personal use were unconstitutional. The ruling, in effect, decriminalizes the recreational use of the drug. Legislation to the same end has stalled in Mexico's Congress. Mixing different COVID-19 vaccines could boost immunity against SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, according to a study to be published in The Lancet. Researchers found that inoculating participants with a shot of Pfizer-BioNTech's vaccine four weeks after jabbing them with Oxford AstraZeneca's and vice versa produced a high level of antibodies. Both combinations triggered a stronger immune response than a repeat of Oxford AstraZeneca's. The European Commission approved a deal allowing personal data to flow freely between the European Union and Britain for four years. Personal information leaving the bloc will have the same level of protection as it would within Europe under EU legislation. The decision will save businesses in Britain an estimated £1.6 billion, $2.2 billion, according to the New Economics Foundation, a think tank. The world's second biggest hydropower station went into operation in southwest China, even though it is still under construction. The Baihetan hydropower station, which sits across a tributary of the Yangtze River, will ultimately have 16 turbines producing 62.4 terawatt-hours of electricity each year. Two turbines were turned on yesterday. Greek police recovered a Picasso and a rare figurative Mondrian that were snatched during a daring heist at their country's National Gallery in 2012. Picasso himself had donated his woman's head to the museum in 1949 in recognition of Greece's valour in the Second World War. Reuters reported that an arrest was made after the paintings were found hidden in a Greek gorge. Fact of the day. Young people in Britain reported that they spent 50% more time reading during the pandemic than they did before. And correction. In this weekend's Espresso, we said that a skull first discovered in China might come from a previously unknown species of Homo sapiens. We ought to have said form of Homo sapiens. We got it right in the full article. And now, here's today's agenda. 
cresting again, COVID-19 and Africa. When the pandemic began, there was talk of Africa escaping the worst of COVID-19. Today, there is little sign of the continent being spared. A third wave is beginning to crest and is likely to surpass the second's height in mere weeks. There are many reasons for the wave's severity. Africans, like people everywhere, are fed up with COVID-19 and tired of masks and distancing. Governments are broke, so cannot pay people to stay home. And the more contagious Delta variant is spreading in South Africa and at least a dozen other countries. Testing remains low, meaning official rates of infection are deceiving. Congo, a country of 87 million people, counts 40,000 cases, fewer than Glasgow, a Scottish city of 630,000. A lack of jabs means that just over 1% of Africans have been fully vaccinated, most of them north of the Sahara. With production capacity monopolized by richer nations, the continent looks ever more vulnerable. Scorching North America's heat wave. Some records are better left unbroken. On Sunday, the mercury in Lytton, a village in British Columbia, reached 46.6 degrees Celsius, the hottest temperature ever recorded in Canada. The country's west coast and America's northwest are baking in a heat wave that is bringing entire cities to a halt. Vaccination appointments have been cancelled, schools have closed. In Portland, Oregon, the trams stopped running after power cables melted. And because many buildings don't have air conditioning, governments have been forced to open specialised cooling centres, venues people can visit for respite. It used to be that a heat wave this intense was only likely to occur once every several thousand years, but such estimations are based on historical averages. Climate change means that extreme weather events are happening more often, Despite heat waves killing more people in an average year than hurricanes or floods, governments, even in rich countries, are not prepared to cope with them. They had better get ready, and fast. Making Friends, Israel and the UAE Ties between Israel and the Gulf are hardly new. In 2008, Tsipi Livni, then Israel's foreign minister, visited Qatar, but the public warmth that will be on show today as Yair Lapid, her successor, lands in the United Arab Emirates is unprecedented. Last year, with America turning away from the region and Iran looking menacing, the UAE was looking for allies. It agreed to normalize relations with Israel in August, encouraged by former President Donald Trump, who promoted collaboration between Israel and Arab regimes. Since then, visa restrictions have been cancelled and direct flights launched. Mr. Lapid will inaugurate Israel's third embassy in the Arab world in Abu Dhabi, the UAE's capital. Today's trip will allay Israeli worry that normalization with Arab countries might falter without its chief engineer, Mr. Trump, and progress is also continuing at the other end of the region. Two Israeli airlines have said they will soon start flights to Morocco. Court. Gones jailbreakers on trial. Two Americans returned to court in Tokyo today over their role in Carlos Ghosn's escape from Japan. Facing charges of financial misconduct, which he denies, and believing he would not get a fair trial, the former head of Nissan, a car manufacturer, decided to flee.
He tapped Michael Taylor, a former Special Forces soldier, and his son Peter to smuggle him out hidden inside a music gear case on a private jet bound for Beirut. Improbably, the caper worked. The erstwhile executive is now safely in Lebanon, which has no extradition treaty with Japan. The Taylors were not so lucky. They were arrested in Massachusetts last year and extradited to Japan. Earlier this month, they pled guilty to helping Mr. Ghosn and face up to three years in prison. In an irony befitting the tale's Hollywood-worthy plot, they are being held in the same detention centre that once held Mr. Ghosn. Old Wine in New Battles, Seceding from Rioja The Battle of Wine in Haro, in the Basque region of Rioja in northern Spain, is bloody only in colour. Today, revellers will attend mass before arming themselves with buckets, wineskins and water guns. Then they will spray each other with thousands of litres of wine in a fight against sobriety and moderation. But while merrymakers spill wine on the sand, some local producers whine about what to call it. A group of over 50 local producers complained that Rioja, Spain's most prolific label, is associated with bulk buy wines. That cheapens it. Spain is Europe's biggest wine exporter by volume, but only its third by income. They want to give their wine a new regional denomination, an idea the autonomous Basque government is drinking up. Yet little of this is likely to be much concern to festival-goers. No respectable bacchant ever interrupted their carousing over a name. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Elizabeth Barrett Browning, who died on this day in 1861. Since when was genius found respectable? That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.